Please turn this morning to Matthew 5. Matthew 5. We'll begin reading in verse 33. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said of them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be, Yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask that you would instruct the words of our mouth, that your wisdom would be found upon our lips, that we would not lie to one another, we would not backbite to one another, or devour one another, but that we would instead speak plain and sincere words full of wisdom and integrity. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we come to one of the more commonly overlooked passages of the Sermon on the Mount. We've talked in previous weeks about anger, everybody knows about anger. Talked about lust and adultery. Don't have to look very far to see that as a problem. We've talked about divorce. That's everywhere. Now we come to Jesus' words about oaths. And a lot of times, because we don't often swear... And this is not referring necessarily to swearing in the wicked sense that we when we talk about swearing, but rather just someone who will often say, by, and then you'll name something, by heaven, by earth, or just as sure as I'm standing here, such and such really happened. Because you know that sometimes when you say things, people may not be likely to believe you, So you invoke something that they can see and saying, just as sure as this exists, what I'm about to tell you is true. Why, in a sermon about the way his people will live and should live, would Jesus go from talking about what we would consider major offenses to a discussion about not perjuring yourself and being careful about how often you speak certain things. For us, it seems like such a small thing compared to the great and major sins he's discussed. We've all seen the harm that bitterness and anger can cause. We've seen the harm that adultery and lust and pornography can cause, and we obviously can see what divorce causes. So Jesus is talking about these big sins, and now he talks about this, to us, small sin. 
But, if Jesus included it in here, that means that there is a temptation for us even in something that we would consider small. So I hope this morning we can learn about what it means to be people of our Word and of the Word. In these commands that we read in between verses 33 and 37, they're related to two of the Ten Commandments. That is, the third commandment where he says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And the ninth ninth commandment where he says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. When he says in verse 33, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, that does not mean that you cannot or that you should not ever take an oath. Forswear is is the word that's from the Greek translated better for us as to lie under oath, to perjure yourself. With the picture of someone being in court, and if you've ever watched courtroom dramas, you know always, always at the very last scene, you never, well, you never want to be the person on the stand in the last scene of the show. Why? Because you're guilty. I mean, you can always look at your watch when there's five minutes left, unless it's going to be a two-part show. When there's five minutes left, whoever's there, you know they're toast. Because obviously, they're, I mean, they're going to just have this be stricken with their conscience after about four or five questions where the, where the lawyer raises his voice and then the person is just going to finally break down and say, yes, I did it, I did it. I lied and I was angry and I I took out a gun and then I also used cyanide and I had a rope and and it was, of course, you think, oh my goodness, why did this person just go overboard with this? Well, it wouldn't make good TV if the person just said, the person just continued to lie. And obviously this really far out story that the defense attorney gave, it makes sense because the show's about over and Nothing else has time to make sense at that point. Well, we've seen those stories. And we know that there are times when people will be on the stand and they just lie. Perjury is a crime. If you lie under oath, you can go to jail. Unless you're the President of the United States, in which case it doesn't matter quite as much as we've seen already in our president who's been in office in the time that all of us have been alive. But still, it's a crime, nonetheless. But it's not only a crime in our laws, it is a crime before God. And it was understood in the Old Testament that you would not lie in this way. Turn with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 19. Leviticus 19, and this is more directly what Jesus is referring to. Again, it has some some shadows of the third and ninth commandment, but in Leviticus 19, starting in verse 11, "...ye shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another." 
and ye shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. So he says in verse 11, don't lie to one another. And in verse 12, don't swear by God's name falsely. Now this is not a command, and I want us to see this because this verse can, these verses in Matthew 5 can be easily misinterpreted. It is not wrong in all cases to swear. There is a place for oaths, and we'll look at that in a few minutes. But we see in Leviticus, he says, don't swear by the name of God falsely. So Jesus quotes that uh, and says, thou shalt not forswear thyself. That, that don't swear, that don't make a promise with the idea of being on God's name and then take it back. And then he says in the last part of verse 33, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oath. Now that is from the book of Numbers, chapter 30, and verse 2, where vows are spoken of. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. So, Jesus is bringing together these two laws. And the idea in both cases is that you must be true to your word. Your word is your reputation. It is, it is what, are you, what you're known by. However, Jesus, as he has already done, is not just reciting the Old Covenant law. He's talking about times and instances when the people would take the law and they would find ways of getting around it so that they could, on, on the surface, it would appear, fulfill what the commandment is. But really, not fulfill what the Lord intended. Like a small child who is told, you cannot walk out that door. Don't walk out that door. So, what does a child do? Well, obviously, it goes to the other door. It goes out that one instead. So, have the alibi. I didn't walk out that door. Walked out this one. Well, that is a small display of what is our fallen human nature. Well, in this case, people were doing that same thing. You see, the Jews believed in Jesus' time, many of them believed that as long as you did not swear unto the Lord, you could break it. If you were to swear by heaven, in other words, you were to invoke the fact that the heavens exist, which people know the heavens exist, if you were to invoke heaven, then you could disregard that. If you're talking to someone and you're saying that I will do so by heaven itself, then they would say, well, 
I didn't, I didn't swear an oath to the Lord. I swore it by heaven. Kind of like in one movie that I saw several years ago, there was a minister who was going, he was in court, and this is not very, this is not speaking very highly of ministers, but he was supposed to testify against a person and he really didn't want to testify and he didn't exactly lie in court but he very strongly evaded the truth and then the person that he was trying to help defend who was not really guilty but had kind of been framed but the only way they could get him off was for the priest to kind of bend the truth a little bit they asked the priest who was a very or the, the minister who was thought of very highly and he had high morals how in the world could you say that in court and not, I mean, because you swore. He took the person over and showed him the book that he swore, and it was, and it was Darwin's Origin of Species. So he said, see, I didn't actually swear on the Bible, I, I swore on Darwin. So since Darwin's a liar, I figure I could too. Colorful, and no, I'm not saying that that's right, okay? I'm not excusing the action. But that is the type of thing that they were doing. And they wouldn't only swear by heaven. Some would swear by earth because, you know, some people can't see heaven. They don't believe that it's there, but we can all look outside and we can see the earth. We can see, you know, the land, the trees, and things around. We can see all that. So they would swear by the earth. Some would swear by Jerusalem, very high and holy place viewed with great respect by the Jews of those days. Some even would swear by their own head. They would swear by themselves. They'd say, look, and you've heard this. May I be struck dead if this is not true. You ever heard that before? May lightning strike me if. So this was the type of thing that was a common practice among these people. And Jesus is saying, that has no place. Oaths were very common. Not necessarily oaths to the Lord Himself, but oaths nonetheless. So, This morning, I want us to see three things about swearing and our words. Okay? Number one, swearing does have a place. Swearing does have a place. A place. In verse 33, Jesus said, Thou shalt not forswear thyself. Again, doesn't mean don't swear. It means don't lie having made a promise but then he said but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths so Jesus is saying there is a time and place for our words to be even sworn before God however and as we'll look at in a little bit that should not be often. 
So Jesus is not condemning all oaths. In other places we read about times where oaths and swearing is called for. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6. Verse 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and shalt swear by His name. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and shalt swear by His name. Then he will go on to say in verses 14 and 15, You shall not go after other gods or the gods of the people which are round about you, for the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. So he is saying here, you should not go around and invoke other deities because there is only one, and I am He. I am your God. And because I am your God, you should give all allegiance and all oaths to me. It is still, in many courts, practiced. When an oath is taken, it is taken on a Bible, and a person swears to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, with the last clause being, so help me God. Now most don't know, really, what they are invoking when they say that. But they are saying, before God, and as He is my ultimate witness, I'm going to speak what is true and what is right. They're speaking to the God of the Bible. But, again, that is commonly misunderstood and it's just seen as something that you do. In many courts, they will not let you on the stand unless you swear. Of course, it is also practiced by some. If they don't believe in God of the Bible, then they can swear on other things. We won't discuss that right now. But that is condemned in Deuteronomy chapter 6. But what I want us to see mostly here is that there is a place he calls Israel to swear by his name and not by another. Look over in Deuteronomy 10, verse 20. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him thou shalt serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. So he's calling the people here to again swear by God. Now in both of these instances, both in Deuteronomy 6 and in Deuteronomy 10, there is a call to honor the true God. Not another, but the God of heaven. And it's also in the case of seeing that their call is to, it's kind of like for us, like we are professing faith. 
Israel is about to go into the promised land. And as they're about to go in, they're being reminded in Deuteronomy of their call to obey the true God. Swearing and obedience, swearing and profession goes together. So, it is something that they would do right before they're about to enter into the greatest commitment of their lives. Another place where this is mentioned is Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. He says, If thou wilt return, O Israel, saith the Lord, return unto me. And if thou wilt put away thine abominations out of my sight, then shalt thou not then shalt thou not remove. And thou shalt swear, the Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness, and the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. Again, there is a call to swear unto the Lord. In all three instances, in Deuteronomy 6, 10, 6 and 10, and then Jeremiah 4, it's all in with the idea of you are called to serve God. You are embarking on a covenant. And once you enter this covenant, you come in swearing an oath. You promise to be faithful to your God. Matthew Henry said, In swearing we pawn the truth of something known to confirm the truth of something doubtful or unknown. We appeal to a greater knowledge, to a higher court, and imprecate the vengeance of a righteous judge if we swear deceitfully. So when you swear, you are saying, May God's wrath come upon me if this is not true. So again, Israel is entering into their inheritance in Deuteronomy. Then in Jeremiah, he said, if you will return and you will swear unto the Lord, then he said, the nations shall bless themselves in him and in him shall they glory. In other words, he would bless them if they would embark on this covenant, if they would engage faithfully in the covenant. Even Paul used an oath when he was speaking to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul writes, Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth. So Paul invoked the Lord himself as one who would bear witness to what he was saying. So all this is to say that swearing does have a place that is contrasting with the understanding that, as I've heard by some, that there should be never anything, that you should never take any oath at all. Now, The second thing about swearing is that it should be limited. It should be limited. Matthew chapter 5, verse 34 through 36, But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 
neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. You say, well, Brother Matt, you just said that swearing has a place, and then Jesus said in verse 34, swear not at all. Well, if we just take what he says there, and all we do is just say, look, Jesus said swear not at all, end of the discussion. What do we do with those passages we just read? In Deuteronomy, and in Jeremiah, and even in 2 Corinthians. Do we say the Bible contradicts itself? May the Lord forbid. Do we just say, that's one of those things we can't understand, and they were inspired, but we're not, so we can't do it? No. We can't do that either. We must understand what Jesus the, the full context of Jesus' words. He just said in verse 34, quoting the elders, quoting what Moses had said in the past, perform thine oaths to the Lord. So, there is a place to make an oath unto the Lord. But Jesus then goes on to say, but I'm telling you, you should not make a regular habit of swearing. Because understanding what the people were doing at the time, they were swearing all the time by everything. So it should be limited. The people had developed a way for them to sin by giving their word and not keeping it without officially sinning. But before God, that doesn't work. If we say we're going to do something, we must do it. If we say something is true, it should be true. And if we say it is not true, it should not be. Why does Jesus then go into an explanation of what heaven is and and how heaven relates to God, and how earth relates to God in Jerusalem, and even our own heads. What is his point here? His point is, it doesn't matter what you swear by, because God himself controls all of it. He said in verse 34, "...neither swear..." I say, "...you swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne." That is a direct quote from Isaiah 66 and verse 1. Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. So where Jesus said, neither in verse 35, nor by earth, for it is His footstool, it all belongs to God. It's His possession. Just because, He's saying, just because you invoke something else, just because you talk about another element other than God Himself, doesn't matter. It all belongs to Him. And so therefore, if you swear by it, you're essentially swearing unto Him anyway. And you say, well, I don't make a habit of swearing. I don't do this a lot. So so how does this apply to me? Well, let's take it in a little bit different direction. 
What way do you find to creatively excuse your sin? We all do. What small out do you find to give yourself some wiggle room? Do you say, well, this sin is in my family. My, my, my parents sinned in this way. My grandparents sinned in this way. I can't help it. Or maybe your sin is because of a situation in your life. You were forced to be around bad people when you were young. And therefore, you fall easily. Do we really think when we stand before the Lord that our, if the only thing we have, rather than instead of the righteousness of Christ, is reasons for why we disobeyed Almighty God, is that going to work? Is he going to say, oh, of course, I understand? No. So we all find ways of getting around God's commands. We find ways of excusing, and we should not do that. So if you wonder, how am I engaging in this? Ask the Lord to convict you. And this comes from being a student of God's Word. If you know what He says, then you are less likely to sin. We can find some humor in the way that some people mistake the word. I read a couple of weeks ago a compilation of several of the most glaring misquotations in the New York Times that are attributed to Scripture, where a writer would he would say, you know, the Bible says in such and such a passage, and he would totally, sometimes he would just totally put the words upside down. Sometimes he would actually, it would be from something else. Probably my favorite, and this has to do with the Sermon on the Mount, one author said, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, it was when you only saw one set of footprints that I was carrying you. In the New York Times. And what's really bad it took them a while for that mistake to be caught. So, uh, if you ever want to quote the Sermon on the Mount and you're not sure about something, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, just you know, glance through it first before you attribute it to a sentimental poem. But we need to be students of the Word. And 
students of God's Word, and we, we must be careful that we don't misapply what He says so that we may better suit our own struggles and our own sins. So our swearing should be limited. It should not be regular. We should not give our word. And if, and if you still say, I, I don't swear a lot. Well, let's put it like this. Giving your word and backing it with something else, invoking whether it's God, whether it's yourself, doesn't whatever, if you have to back it up with something, that should not be done often. Because even your own head, you don't have the power to change the way you look or even the color of your hair. Now, I realize some of you say, you want to bet, I can color my hair. Well, get you understand the point that he's making. The natural color of your hair is given by God. And you can't change that. You can cover it up for a little while, but you can't ultimately change it. It Everything is under His control. And the third thing that we should see in this passage is that as followers of Christ, our communication should be honest, plain, and sure. Our communication should be honest, plain, and sure. In verse 37, Jesus said, Let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever more of these then these cometh of evil. Jesus is saying, don't dress up your words with fancy and vain promises. Don't try to make yourself sound better, stronger, or anything like that. Just be plain spoken. We should not be those who communicate with using purposefully elaborate, vague, or political language so that we can automatically wriggle out of our words. Jesus is saying, speak directly. Let your communication be yay, yay, that is, yes, or nay, nay, no. Paul said in the book of Colossians, Chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. So, he's saying that your, what, the way that you speak should be filled with the grace of God and with right words. In Titus chapter 2, verse 8, it says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou shalt affirm constantly, that they may have believed in God, might be careful to maintain good works, Reading chapter chapter three, excuse me, Titus two verse eight. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of a contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. As believers, we should be known as people of clear and plain language. 
That doesn't mean blunt and boring. Okay? But it means that we should be people who are known for the sincerity and the authenticity of our words. We bear the name of our Lord. And when we engage in conversation that is not fully accurate, then we are in effect bearing not only at times false witness, but we are also not being true to the name by which we have been called. We are, in a sense, taking His name in vain because we, in fact, bear His name. And part of being sincere and plain is not ignoring the sin that we commit. Jesus was here condemning the Pharisees for being word masters. They knew how to say things perfectly and in such a way where they thought they, would, they wouldn't be caught. Now again, there is a place for being wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. We see that in, even in the life of Jesus. He didn't speak things that he knew would just have him taken away to jail, but he always spoke the truth. He spoke plainly and clearly. We must then be people of the Word of God, but also people of our Word. So that as he said to Titus, we may not be evil spoken of because our language is true. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would now enlighten us and teach us how we may speak wise words and how we may not be empty in our language, but forthright and full of grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.